0: Um, Based on the events of yesterday, I felt very under pressure to hyperanalyze what we saw on the Pat McAfee show until I realized there's no reason to, you know, I'm I'm struggling against two things. On on one hand, there's the need to hyperanalyze this thing that everybody is still talking about and on the other hand is is me looking at it going i don't want to do that and and it you know I, I was like why why don't i want to do this right why why am i not interested in in big information and then i kind of came to the conclusion cuz it's not big information people are mad about a lack of information and there's a couple other things to comment on i suppose but i genuinely genuinely thought it was a not interesting discussion between <laughs> And I I didn't even watch the whole thing, because after a while, I did kind of turn it off. Plus, I was at work, so I was a little distracted doing other things. Because I am a diligent employee, but I had it on in the background. Big shout-out to Nathaniel and the family, by the way, on their way to Mexico. I don't think I've ever been more jealous of a human being in my life. (laughs) I am in desperate need of a vacation. And this dude booked out at noon to go to his hotel so that he can fly out the next morning to, to sunny Mexico. Not only that. Well, never mind. We don't we don't need to talk about my vacation depression. Just 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 briefly though. <laughs> I need this little moment of therapy, all right? Talking to the wife like, "All right, let's let's work on dates because I, I really want to do this." You know, we didn't really do it last year. Usually we do every other year and we it might even been like 2 years. I don't know. It's been a long time. And I'm like, "This is it, man. We got the money, we got the just enough just barely enough time off. Let's pick dates." Turns out there's no dates that work, so I don't think we're going anywhere this year, or not, you know, to sunny Florida or anything like that. So that was depressing, but I, I'm i completely over it, as you can tell. Anyways, about Aaron Rodgers, I really genuinely just didn't think it was an interesting discussion, and it's nothing against Pat McAfee or Aaron Rodgers, but there was there was no real, as a Packer fan, what did we get out of it? I mean, you know, there's some stuff around the edges in terms of his relationship, in terms of some weird... Disgusting thing he's doing. <laughs> again, man, you do whatever you want to do. I don't care. But yikes, man, come on. I'm not even going to elaborate without my bleep button. Maybe maybe I would you know what I could do? I could read a description of the choppy whoppy swarma thing that he's doing and then bleep out the parts that aren't suitable <laughs> for the podcast. But I again, maybe I won't do that either. That's not great. But really, like, it's just, I don't want to talk about, well, you know, maybe he is with Shailene. I don't really know. Maybe they're just still really good friends. Maybe they're together. They just called off the wedding temporarily. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't care. It was interesting for five seconds, right? When I thought it was like official that they were broken up, it's like, oh, that's big news. Now that it's like, "Mm, I don't think they are, but they kind of might be. And it's like, "All all right, all right, I'm done. I'm done. I don't, I don't actually care that much. All right. It was interesting. For a second, and now I really don't care. Especially when he starts describing stuff and he's so lovey about everybody. And it's like I, I I don't want to use the powers of analysis on that. That's a little too deep for that subject. Um, I really I don't want to talk about the post. I don't. And I was even thinking, like, well, you should at least give your opinion on like what he said, and and all these does he have the right to take his time? And does he have the right it's like, yeah. People are genuinely pretty mad at Ryan, and and they're basically parroting exactly what I said yesterday, not saying that they're ripping me off. I'm sure 95% don't listen to my podcast, but the point is, people are genuinely agreeing with the general sentiment that um, although reading that post, it's kind of ridiculous to think that he was trying to get people whipped up, at the exact same time, he has to be smart enough to know that that's exactly what it would do. And And honestly, listen... There was nothing he said that really upset me other than the choppy shawarma thing. <laughs> it didn't upset me. I just wanted to say choppy choppy shawarma again. I don't know what it's called, I, and I'm not going to look it up because it's not that interesting to me. Um, something about karma. I don't know. I think it's the Indian word for five and then karma. I don't know what that is. Yes, I said Indian word. All right, I'm not cultured. Leave me alone. I don't know. I don't know which dialect or whatever it is. See, now we're going down the path. But no, I mean, he he didn't even really do the whole, like, everyone that's doing this stuff is stupid. He, he, I don't think he did. He kind of just explained it. He had sort of a sideways chuckle and he has a right to, because really when he explained things and you listen to it, it's like, we kind of are stupid, aren't we? For example, one of the things, and and this, this was always kind of stupid. No offense to the uh, progenitors of this and the people that ran with it, but there was the one picture at the end with uh, Devante and Cobb and he wasn't there. There was a gap where he was supposed to be. And this conspiracy theory, and again, I love a good conspiracy theory, but the thing with them is that they're usually stupid. And so long as you acknowledge that it's kind of stupid, but it's interesting, and what if it's true? That would be crazy. Like, that's that's the general framework of a conspiracy theory. The idea was he was foreshadowing that he wasn't going to be there. Like, that was some kind of a, a deep-seated hint. In the midst of this message, that really wasn't about anything but saying thank you to people. And then he explained it, and what did he say? He's like, that was one of the most, that, first of all, that is one of my favorite pictures ever. And it, it really didn't dawn on me that there was a space, you know what I mean? For some reason, like, it just didn't click. Like, I get that that's Roger's spot, but why are they not just together? It, it just didn't quite click, and, 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 and I don't know why, but they did that out of respect for Roger's because that's his spot. And if any one of us would have just got that little bit of information, that automatically gives you the reason for why he would do that. That's that's a really deeply respectful thing. I mean, it's it's weird because it's like it's so obvious that that's what they're doing, but it never clicked to me. First of all, they don't have assigned spots. He wasn't photoshopped out of it. Why are there, Why is there a gap? It's, 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 I'm so mad at my brain for not getting this intuitively. I mean, how did we know the implication that that was Roger's spot? Because there's a gap there. Why is there a gap there? Because it's Roger's spot. Why are they leaving a gap where Roger's spot is out of respect for Aaron Rodgers? It was a symbol. It, it, was, it was out of a deeply profound respect. And again, like Roger said, at a time when the whole world was turning on Aaron Rodgers and hating the guy, and, and, and there were all these rumors about the whole team was going to be mad at him and hated him, and they, they made an overt gesture of respect to their leader on the team, which he said brought a tear to his eye. And, and what are we doing on Twitter? We're over here talking about, this is Aaron Rodgers sending us some subliminal messages that he's retiring. And it's like, you know what? We are stupid. We are really stupid. I get that Rodgers has to know when he does. But at the same time, and this this is the other problem. We take it to an extreme where people, and Bears fans love to do this, which is fine because they're, you know, Bears fans and that's their job, I guess. It would be nice if they actually made arguments that were coherent once in a while and not just say stupid stuff like five-year-olds. But I guess they don't have much to work with. Their team is garbage. The Packers win all the time. I mean, everybody on our team is basically better than everybody on their team. So they don't have actual data to kind of go at us with. So I guess, you know, the uh, equivalent of yo mama jokes is the best that they can do. I'm rubber, you're glue type stuff. But it's things like anytime Rodgers says anything, and and again, there's some point, and I was big on it in the off season too, where I was getting upset with Rodgers being kind of a crybaby and being so needy and, you know, just his demands. And he's so mad. Like, what are you mad about, dude? Shut up. Go play football. They drafted Jordan Love. I don't care. Every single player on this team has had to watch as the Packers drafted potential replacements. And then he says his attitude is as long as he plays well, then he isn't going to have to worry about Jordan Love. Exactly. So what are you crying about? And all of a sudden he wins MVP two years in a row and he's like, oh, yeah, I'm not worried about it anymore. It's like, exactly. So what was the pouting all about? So there's a point at which it's like, there's that. But then it gets taken to the other extreme where this, if this guy says any words, it's like, oh, he's just after, he's just after attention. He literally went on social media and said, I just want to say thank you to everybody else. And everybody's saying, oh, he's so self-centered. He's literally not self-centered. I I can't remember the last time he did anything that was self-centered aside from when he sat out the last off season. And even then he tried to make it seem like it was about other guys, which I don't really believe that. I think if his job was not in jeopardy and he had gotten a contract that he liked, he's not sitting out the season. Because, you know, a couple guys that he, like, didn't know. He felt disrespected by the team because he wasn't getting the input that he felt he deserved, which he doesn't. He wasn't able to have the input on personnel decisions like he thought he should, like he shouldn't. He was mad that the team would dare to ever draft a potential replacement, which is their right. That kind of stuff is him being self-centered. I can't think of the last thing he did that was self-centered, including the COVID controversy, which again, he did not come out and stir that up. That was dragged out of him. He had no intention of telling anybody. In fact, he lied to try to conceal it because he doesn't want to be the center of attention. He doesn't want that to be a big news story. He doesn't want that to be the news cycle. It's so insane to me that everybody found that out, forced it out of him then called him a liar for trying, not to, uh, for trying to conceal that so it didn't become a big deal, and then call him self-centered because it came out, because they dragged it out. And then people pounced on him yesterday for making some kind of a comment about, I'm sorry that other people got dragged into the middle of it. And they're like, yeah, actions have consequences. Like, he didn't do anything wrong. He, there were no ill actions whatsoever. The point is, he got dragged into, he basically got ripped into the middle of a brawl, got punched and kicked and spit on and occasionally started punching back, and a few of the people in his party also got punched and kicked in the process, and he just said, I'm sorry that you got caught in the middle of that. And everybody that started this fight, that grabbed Rogers by the neck, pulled him into a dog pile and started punching the living crap out of him for months, is saying, yeah, you should be sorry. You should be sorry that your friends got punched by us as collateral damage. And then also said that he's being self-centered for his post, for saying sorry, for everything. It's like, He can't say anything without being just, oh, he just wants attention all the time. First of all, you're on social media 24-7. You're saying things 24-7, trying to get people's attention. You are obsessed with people's attention. You want all the retweets and all the likes and all these things. Aaron Rodgers lives 99% of his life in seclusion. And the one time he pops his head out and makes one tweet. Look at his Twitter compared to your Twitter and tell me he's the self-centered one. You bunch of hypocrites. Your life is social media. This guy's, I mean, listen, he's doing some weird stuff and I'm never going to do it. You know why? Because it's stupid. I'm sorry. It's just, it's incorrect. Just like some of his opinions on vaccines, I believe to be incorrect. Not evil or immoral, just incorrect. But this guy goes out and experiences life. He is able to detach from other people and go be alone with himself because he doesn't need attention, because he doesn't need constant reaffirmation and he could easily get it. He could walk down the street and have people just praising him and loving him. He could do, you know, all this stuff all the time. He doesn't. He spends most of his time with a very close-knit, tight group of friends. You, on the other hand, and, you know, I'm saying you to a very broad scope of people. Some people are like, dude, I don't even have social media or whatever. But the the people that are on social media complaining are on social media complaining. (laughs) And that in and of itself is largely hypocritical unless it's somebody that never uses it except to express this one opinion, which in, in that case, you're just like Aaron Rodgers, so I don't know what you're talking about. You barely use it except once in a while to say like one very mundane thing. We're the ones hyperanalyzing everything. Again, he has to know. So if he came out and said, you know, it's, it's ridiculous that anybody would say that, eh. The point is he knows we're ridiculous, right? So So, so there is that. But at the same time, dude, he's got to be able to say words. He can't even say words without us going this crazy. I mean, you have the right to go crazy, but he has more of a right to say words than we do to analyze his words and go psychotic. So we we take that way too far. And people are really, I mean, I know it's the off season and I know we're just starved for information and I know we're stressed about this and I know there's a lot of anger about it. But here's the thing, that's your problem. That's my problem. That is not Aaron Rodgers' problem. That's the other thing people are mad about is he said he wouldn't string us along and he's stringing us along. It's February 23rd, dude. Like, I mean, Aaron Rodgers last year strung us along. And and I have to assume that's what he meant when he said he wasn't going to do this kind of stuff. Is like Brett Favre when he let it go on until basically training camp. Or Aaron Rodgers when he let it go on until basically training camp. That's what stringing along means. His whole thing is like, dude, the offseason didn't even start until after the Super Bowl. And after the Super Bowl was the first time I decided to go unwind. So, like, I haven't even started the process yet. Now, I know for some of us, it's like, BS, dude, you should have been thinking about this. You, there's there's, there's plenty of time. And he's like, well, I didn't. Sorry. But the fact of the matter is, he doesn't owe us anything. This is a big life decision for Aaron Rodgers, and he has the right to figure it out. Whether or not he's going to play for the Green Bay Packers or whether or not he's going to retire, which I still maintain, are the, really the only two options. Broncos fans, I think, are just out of their mind. They're like 95% certain that he's getting traded to Denver, I, you know. Again, it's not impossible, but I think it has more to do with he wants to play and they just can't reach some kind of an agreement. I don't know. So it's not completely impossible, but I, I, again, I genuinely think he's trying to decide between coming back to the Green Bay Packers and retiring. Those are, that is 95% of the decision. It's actually 100% of his decision right now. It's just a matter of, you know, once he decides to come back, can I work it out with the Packers? And the Packers, as I said, unfortunately, I think are willing to bend over completely backwards for Aaron Rodgers. So I don't see a deal not getting done, kind of no matter what it is. So yes, it was very frustrating that there wasn't anything, because we've been waiting a long time to get some kind of news. I understand all that. I really wanted there to be an answer, but I can't be mad at him, because he wants to wait until the, you know, the, what is it, the first week of March, as opposed to the last week of February, you know? I mean, when was the Super Bowl? Was that two weeks ago? No, it was one week ago. So again, according to Aaron Rodgers, his offseason started one week ago. So instead of taking one week to make his decision, he's probably going to take two weeks to make his decision. Probably. He'll, he'll do it on, the pod, on Pat McAfee's show next week. Maybe not. I don't know. Maybe it'll take three weeks. And again, I do know that there's implications for the team. He's still under no obligation, though. Like, we've got some decisions to make we'd like to know. Like, I'm sorry. I have a major life decision to make. I'm going to take more than a week. It's not our wishes. I'm sure it's not the Packers' wishes. But, pfft, oh, well. So, you know, I, I I just think for the most part from what I'm seeing, people are blowing this stuff out of proportion. He didn't say all Rogers did is take like a week off, post about gratitude, and then go on the, the podcast and immediately say, Look, I, I know you guys kinda read into this thing, fine. Again, he didn't just call everybody complete idiots, which he might have been right about. Um he didn't go on a, a, a tirade about how stupid social media he didn't really do anything like that. He just kind of said, you know, uh just so you guys know, I know there's some dust up about there's gonna be some announcement. That's not true. He explained the whole post, which again is very intuitive if we really just looked at it. And that was that was that was the whole thing. And it's funny because I think everybody said, Oh, he strung us along. He 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 did this to us. Here's the thing though, I'm looking at Twitter right now. This is posted by Ross Uglum, but there's there's a million of these. I've seen these, one of them I was even on. But um, It was just a compilation of people on social media basically saying the exact same thing. Here is um, just a, a screenshot of Ross from yesterday. Andy Herman, Rogers on McAfee show in 59 minutes. Here we go. Did not say if he'd make an announcement. Zach Cruz, Aaron Rodgers will join the Pat McAfee show in one hour. Bill Huber, Aaron Rodgers will be on the Pat McAfee show at noon. Matt Schneidman, Aaron Rodgers will be on the Pat McAfee show in one hour, Pat says. Rob Domofsky, Aaron Rodgers will indeed join the Pat McAfee show at the top of the next hour. Tom Grassi, Pat McAfee just confirmed that Aaron Rodgers will be on the show in an hour. Who's the one getting your hopes up? Is it guys like me and Schneidman? And Cruz and just everybody else on social media that happened to be watching and felt the need to tweet it, like here we go, this is it, this is the big moment. Da, 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 da. Is that maybe why you're all hyped up? Is 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 it maybe a media creation, a social media creation, that there was some big announcement that was coming out? Because I don't remember Aaron Rodgers ever saying he's making a big announcement today. I don't remember Pat McAfee saying there was going to be a big announcement. Pat McAfee spent the first hour basically saying, I don't know what's about to happen. He literally asked Ian Rappaport, what's about to happen on my show, dude? Everyone's talking about some kind of a big decision. And even Ian was like, yeah, he's probably going to make a big decision today. I don't know. It's kind of like a big thing. We are the only ones that said that this was coming. He didn't. We assumed based on very small shreds of information. Aaron said he would tell us on the Pat McAfee show. He said he wouldn't take a very long time. Well, guess what? If he tells us next week on the Pat McAfee show, does he meet that criteria? He does. If he says it in two weeks, does that meet that criteria? I think it does. It might not be our timeline, which would have been you know the, the first day after the playoff loss. He's like, look, this is what I'm doing. Just so you know, I don't want to string you guys along. Good, thank you. But that's not reality, and that's not really a fair expectation. So look, I I, I was. I was all on board with it last year, saying Aaron Rodgers is being a drama queen, he's being a baby, all that stuff. This year, I have not seen any of that. I just haven't. Even with him firing off at the media, he's he's counterpunching. He's not punching. He's not just trying to drum up stuff. He's reacting to nonstop coverage of him and his life and how horrible he is and everything else, and he's punching back. That's it. But he's never done anything to just overtly cause drama just to be a drama queen. He says Any word, any sentence, and you've got everybody jumping on him saying he's being a drunk. It's just, it's gone to the other extreme. So it's gone from, I just can't handle Aaron Rodgers and his nonsense to, I can't handle anybody talking about Aaron Rodgers because it's all nonsense. So anyways, I, I, again, I had no intention of talking about it. Here we are 20 minutes in and I've been talking about it. But that, that was the, that was the only thing, like, I don't know. I guess we'll talk 20 minutes about how I didn't find it interesting because I didn't. The only thing is I think everybody just needs to chill. Like, you know, I'm, I I 100% understand the impatience because I'm feeling impatient. I don't want to wait another week to find out. I and, and part of it is I'm just, I don't want to analyze this for another week. I don't want to talk about this and speculate about this for another week. We've kind of covered it all. Like, I'm ready to move on to phase two, where we start to analyze what the team looks like moving forward. And the thought that that may not be in the next week or two weeks or three weeks or four weeks. I don't know how long this is going to take. Um, I do believe there was some implication. Maybe I made this up in my head. I don't know. but. The implication was they're going to. He's going to make a decision soon enough that they would be able to kind of make a decision on on Devante, which is a good transition point because the franchise tag is able to be applied starting yesterday until March eighth. March eighth is in well, it's two weeks from yesterday, so there's a two week window to tag somebody. So if um, if Aaron Rodgers doesn't announce next week then the Packers are going to have to make a decision on tagging Devontae Adams without understanding what Aaron Rodgers is going to do. So at that point, I think it becomes problematic. Again, it is his right. He has a right to take as much time as he wants to make these decisions. However, anything he said about trying to get this done in the interest of time to, you know, get all these whatever, um, it's it's kind of out the window. Now, I don't know if the Packers have any intention of tagging him to begin with. There's... It's kind of become an assumption, which is kind of weird to me. And every time this happens, I get sucked into it. Every, same thing that happened with um, after we lost that playoff game. I had said for months and months and months, Aaron Rodgers isn't going anywhere. And then everybody just said he's 100% gone. He's, and all of a sudden, I'm like, dude, he's gone, man. And then, then I thought about it. I'm like, Why, wait, wait, how did I get here? There was, there was always an assumption that the Packers cannot tag Adams. It's not going to happen. And now it's just a foregone conclusion. They're 100% going to tag Adams. And it's like, oh, yeah, I guess they're going to tag. I don't know how I got here. Not saying it's impossible, but it's entirely possible that that's not really on the table. And we may get some clarity on that today. And I'm sure if he's asked, he's just going to say, yes, it's on the table, because generally the answer to those types of questions is everything is on the table, especially when you're in the midst of a negotiation. Plus, they literally said that that was an option on the table, and I said that that was largely a negotiation tactic, because it's a giant blunt object that you can use against Devante. And if you remove that object from yourself, you're you're completely crippling any ability you have to negotiate with Devontae Adams if you telegraph to him that we are not going to tag you because then he owns all the the cards. If you say we are absolutely willing to tag you, then it's going to dissuade Devontae from trying to pull anything because he realizes if we don't get to a deal, because it, it is a very major threat. If they franchise tag you and, and you have the right to not sign it or whatever, but then you're just sitting out and you're not getting paid. And then they have the right to tag you again because that whole year didn't even count. So there's, there's generally, if you tag somebody a second time, it goes up a lot. But if you didn't sign it, then it doesn't go up because you didn't sign the first one. So we we're still on the first one. So we'll just tag you again. So you don't want to go down that path, especially with the Packers, because they're so unflinching. That's how they were with the Packers or with uh, Rodgers too. It was amazing how they just didn't flinch. I'm sitting there like, dude, trade him. Like I'm freaking out. He's going to retire. He's going to, we, we got to trade. We got to get some value while we can. They're just like, no, we're not doing that. No. Yeah, he can quit. I don't care. He can do whatever he wants. We want him here. We we love Rodgers. He's a great football player. He has a contract with us. He will honor that contract. He can retire if, if he chooses. But if he's going to play in the NFL, he's playing for the Green Bay Packers, and that's the end of that. He will play on our terms. The Packers are so, they're kind of hardcore, man. And I, and I kind of dig it. I know Donald Trump is like a cuss word now for some reason, but it just, it just has this sort of hard-nosed negotiation feel to it. Like, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to look you in the face, and I'm going to just tell you how it is. Because I know that the way that we set things up here, your best option is me. And so I'm not going to sit here and sugarcoat it for you. This is what you will do. And if you want to hurt yourself by saying no to me, that's on you. But this is the way that it will be. It's good to be a Goliath. It's easier to negotiate when you are powerful. (laughs) You can be a great negotiator, but if you have nothing, I mean, you you have to be really good. But if you hold all the keys, it's pretty easy to negotiate. And the Packers, a lot of times, position themselves to be in a position of power. And, And again, that's just what the franchise tag does. It gives the Packers all the power. So there's no question in my mind that they're going to say, yes, the franchise tag is an option. I, I, and for that reason, they may even be willing to use it because, again, they are unflinching. And and that, that, that goes for different facets. I mean, when you look at the draft and drafting Jordan Love, everyone's like, oh, you shouldn't have done that. They are unflinching in their process. They know that there's going to be a firestorm. They know that they're going to get completely crucified. They know that Aaron Rodgers might throw a little hissy fit. I don't care. We are not going to bow down to anyone. This is our process. It has served us well. We looked at the information, and the information points to this. We are basically robots following a a tried-and-true process, and we will follow, well, if you do that, then the media will be mad at you. Oh, really? Wow. The fans will be mad. Oh, shucks. Guess they can stop watching. Oh, what's that? They'll never stop watching because they love this team? What's that? As long as I continue to do the right thing by not listening to them and not listening to Aaron Rodgers and building a winning quality team, they'll never stop watching and the players will never leave. Okay, then I guess I'll just follow my own advice because I'm a genius and they're idiots. How's that sound? So, uh, you know, that's just how they operate, man. They just don't flinch. And I think it's the same with Devontae. You, you ask him a question, they'll just look you stone-faced and say, yeah, we're, we're going to resign. Like, what about this? And then we, we do the, what about the salary cap? We can't afford it. What what if what if he wants to leave? What if Roger, what did it? It's like, no, listen to me. Here in Green Bay, Wisconsin, we don't let guys like Devontae go, yeah, but you can't afford him, and, and, and how are you, but well, dead money, and, <laughs> no, you know, what if he, he doesn't play? Well, we, we can tag him, and if he chooses to sit out the season, then that's on him. Well, you can't tag him because you don't have money. Listen to me. We are completely in control of this situation. Devontae Adams is a Green Bay Packer. We will find a way to reach an agreement with him. We want him to be here. We want him to be happy with the contract, and we will pay him accordingly. He is the greatest player, the greatest wide receiver in football. We don't let guys like that walk. We want to meet a, a, a an agree, make an agreement to make him the highest paid wide receiver in football. But you don't have any money. <laughs> we got this. We're going to pay him. We're going to pay him appropriately, and we would like him to be able to stay here. If he chooses not to do that, we will use the franchise tag, and he will play here. And during that time in which he's tagged, we will continue to negotiate his contract, and and we are very confident that he will see the light. It is interesting, too, because a, a report came out that they haven't even started to discuss the contract, which is somewhat shocking to me. And I know that's common. You know, everyone's, oh, they do that all the time. Here's the problem, though. There is a two-week window in which they have to either come to an agreement on a contract Number one, number two, feel confident enough that they will come to an agreement on a contract or number three, completely just give up on that and just say, um, well, you tag him or number four, just kind of acknowledge he's probably gone. But I'd, I'd want to kind of get a feel for where we're at real quick. <laughs> like, I mean, I want to res- respect the player's privacy, but you can at least talk to the agent. Like, I, I want to avoid this tag if possible. But if I don't know for sure that you're coming back, if you're telling me, you know, if we're talking, if we're having talks and I'm still stuck on, you know, we'll give you 25, like a real 25, not like the fake 25 that the other guy got. And he's saying, I want 27. And we just can't close that gap. Or if I'm at 24 and he's at 28, just being stupid, we kind of have to tag him. So by not even discussing it, we're either very confident in our abilities, or maybe we just understand that these things do happen really quickly once you're having these conversations. And we're going to hammer it every day. And we're going to make this work. And what, you know, two weeks is plenty of time. I don't know. Or there's already a preconceived notion that, you know, we, we, we know we're probably going to end up tagging him. So I'm not worried about it. I'm not really sure, but I'm just, I'm kind of shocked. And again, I know that that's common to kind of like not do things during this time, but this is kind of a big, we, we got a small window and a big decision. But again, I think that just comes to everything in general. We project onto everybody else. We project onto Aaron Rodgers and uh, we just assume he's of the same wavelength as us. And he's not. Oh, he, he's just stringing us along, dude. He's not even thinking about this right now this is all we think about 24/7 we assume this is all he's thinking about 24/7 we assume he knows he has a decision and he he when he posts anything on social media it's because he's trying to tell us about his retirement or coming back or whatever because that's because he's obsessed with it too and that's all he's thinking about and he's he's even spending time thinking about how to send subliminal messages and try to hide cryptic messages within pictures and send it out and then when he goes on pat McAfee's show and says i'm not making an announcement it's because he's just he's just trying to you know make pat McAfee's show big and he's just trying to do all these things and he this is on purpose and it, no, no, that's you. He isn't doing any of that. And it's the same with the Packers. Like you know, we're freaking out about the Caps, so the Packers must be freaking out about the cap. We can't figure out what to do with the Devontae, so Packers can't figure out what to do with Devontae. None of that is true. If you look at every single thing, and that's, this is why it's like you know, when we talk about what's going to happen with Aaron Rodgers, they're basically telling us everything you need to know. We dream, dream up all of this stuff. All Social media just makes up this alternate universe. But if you just look at the available information from the team and from Aaron Rodgers, every single thing points to the Green Bay Packers. Again, retirement is an option. And he, he can pull that card anytime he wants. It's his life. I don't know what's going on in his private life these last few weeks and, and what his plans are for retirement and, and what the pros and cons list looks like for him. But he's happy with the team. The team is happy with Rodgers. They've telegraphed for months and months and months that he is the guy moving forward. This, this was probably, I, I, don't, I, I don't know, it's, it's been at least a year, I guess. Um, when the team talks about Jordan Love, it's not in glowing terms. When they talk about Aaron Rodgers, it's in gushing terms. And when the Packers talk in front of the podium, what, what are they, we, we have a plan in place. but They basically know what they're doing with the vast majority of these people. They're not even free. I mean, again, I, I just did it. I'm freaking out like, dude, why? How are you not talking to Devante? Dude, I'm, I'm, you, you got to make a decision. This is a big deal. You know, you only have two weeks. What are you doing? That's the way my brain works. But what I should be doing is looking at it and going, okay, they're not talking to Devonte. Why? I mean, they may be as of today. I don't know. But why? Because they're not worried about it. Well, why? Well, because they have some confidence in 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 the plan, which is we're either going to do this. And if this doesn't work, we'll do this. And if that doesn't work, we'll do this. Either way, we know every step of the way what's going to happen. They have deadlines, they have dollar amounts, they have all this stuff mapped out. And it's my, it's the fact that I'm not in those meeting rooms and I don't get to hear those conversations, I as in we don't get to hear these things, that causes us to freak out and panic and speculate. But the people that are in those spots who do have control of the situation are not worried about it because they're in control of the situation. So... It's fair that we panic. It's not fair for us to project that onto everybody else and assume that that's the case. It's especially not fair to say that everybody is just trying to make us miserable and trying to make us angry and trying to make us anxious. No, we're just doing that ourselves. And then we're, we're blaming other people for making us this way. How dare he make me mad that he didn't make an announcement? You made you mad because you made it up that he was going to make an announcement. Nobody said he was making an announcement yesterday. Nobody said that. Again, if you watch Pat McAfee in the first hour, I I, I didn't tweet it out. I should have because I was like, I don't want something getting thrown back in my face. But I was going to say, the, the more I'm sitting here waiting for this, the more I'm realizing that, that he's not about to make an announcement. And just the fact that um, Pat came back to the show like, dude, everybody's saying there's like some big thing going to happen today. Like, I don't know. Is there a big thing going to happen today? He felt blindsided by the fact that everybody else on social media was was certain that something was coming. He didn't seem to think anything was coming. Sure enough, first thing out of Aaron Rodgers' mouth, look, I know everybody's freaking out. There's no announcement coming today. Just relax. So anyways, again, I had no intention of talking about it because the whole thing is stupid, and it is, but I guess I guess I did. So uh, that took a half hour. Why don't we uh, take a break? Again, we didn't get to go through any of my notes here, um, so that's great. But we'll do some of that on the other side. Again, remember to head over to my Twitter pack, underscore daddy, the pin post there. Um, It's going to help Drew to get his seizure service dog. If you have any little bit of extra help would be greatly appreciated. Um, He's got kind of a long way to go before he gets to his goal uh, because these dogs are highly trained and it's very expensive to get them. Um, He's had some grants and other things for these dogs, so the price has come down a little bit. But um, if you have anything, $1, $2, $3 would be greatly appreciated. It's very similar to what I've always said about Patreon. If we, if we could just get everybody listening to give $1, I can retire tomorrow. Same with Drew. If everybody listening is like, fine, I'll give the guy a buck. Based on yesterday's numbers, he will be over his goal. If everybody listening gave $1 to Drew. Likewise, uh, again, we've got another GoFundMe for another listener to the show, another Packer fan, but uh, Cody um, is looking to raise money. His fiance and her middle child, Carter, uh, one-year-old, Got struck head-on in a car accident. Um, again, you can see the pictures of the accident, which look absolutely horrible, as well as um, pictures of the family, which is also hard to look at. But any amount would be greatly appreciated. And and again, same exact thing. Based on yesterday's numbers, one dollar. So if everybody listening dedicated two dollars, one for Drew and one for Cody, both of these guys will meet their goal, and I will never talk about this again. <laughs> not that I don't want to I'm just saying I mean we can be we can be 100% done and they can move on with you know at least in Drew's case with um a, a life changing positive thing and for Cody you know we we can't intervene we can't be the doctors all we can do is is give money to help support and and say some prayers and just hope that there can some be, some be some some help I don't want to bombard Cody with messages um, but you know hoping they're doing okay but really, just consider that, because I know most people give large amounts of money. And I, I just feel like every time I say, you can just give a buck, you can give $2, whatever, every donation I see on both of these is like between $20 and $50, or, or $20 and $100 even. And that's awesome. And if you can do that, I really appreciate that. But we could make a lot more progress if, if more people gave little than if just the people who can give big, give big. If you can give 100 awesome, because that covers 100 people who are deciding not to do it. That's great. But I think most people feel like, well, I don't want to give a dollar. That feels stupid. It's not stupid. The reason they come to me with my podcast isn't because I'm a millionaire. I give like, you know, 20 bucks to each of them. I can't do anything personally. They're coming to me because they understand the power of lots and lots of people. That's why advertisers come to me and everybody else does. It's not because I'm so uh, eloquent. It's because I have a large audience, period. And they want to mass send out a message to a bunch of people. It's about quantity. Anyways, um, one final thing. Don't forget about A Modern Frontier. If you're interested in buying yourself some uh, some meat, some beef, and some pork and whatnot, um, head over to a amodernfrontier.com. You can reach out to Adam. You can answer any and all questions that you have in terms of, you know, can you deliver to my location, uh, payment information, the whole nine yards, whatever it is. But if you can work that out, uh, it's very, very cheap, considering you're getting a massive box of meat with, you know, steaks and everything else in it, and just hot dogs that are out of this world. But if you enter promo code MEATPACKER, that's one word, all caps. You're going to get 25 additional dollars off. So please check that out. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. So one other thing I wanted to prepare you guys for, I could just wait until, but I don't want it to be like, "What the heck is this?" I believe starting this Saturday. That is the tentative date. Starting this Saturday, we're going to try an experiment. We're going to experiment a little bit this off season. I had mentioned a few days ago about having people reach out. If you have any interest in in working together in a capacity, whether that be making video content, making audio content, Uh, even if it's written content. If you have something that you want to get out there, or if you're already doing it, but you're not really making money, that's an area where I can help you. Because what I have is money. What I don't have is any more time. I need to expand, but I'm I'm tapped out with time. So I would like to buy your time. I think that's what a job is, basically. (laughs) I'm compensating you for borrowing your time because that's the only way I can expand at this point. So again, written content, I've got something for you. Draft content, I've got something for you. Video, audio, I've got something for you. So I I had a few people reach out. Um, I'm working through some stuff with a few people, but um, there's one guy in particular that I feel like is kind of ready to rock and roll. And what we're going to try out is one day a week, a PM show, and it's going to be a full show. We're going to try it out for a month. We're going to kind of see how it goes, see how he does, see how he's feeling, see how I'm feeling about it, see how you guys are feeling about it. But um, that's going to be kind of a trial thing. Um, and again, there's some other people that want to get into the podcasting game. So if, if we can kind of get them caught up to speed in terms of, you know, for some people they've never done it before. So I'm kind of almost bringing them through a podcasting class, if you will, trying to get them, um, kind of up, up to speed on things. And, and if they get a little bit more comfortable with it and kind of whatever, then we can add them to, but, uh, we're going to start doing Saturday afternoons, not exactly sure what time, but we'll have another show. So when it pops up, you'll know what it is. So it'll be four episodes. Be the uh, 26th, the 5th, the 12th, and then the 19th, I guess. And then we'll, from there, we'll just kind of reevaluate where we're at. And uh, there may be other shows. Again, if, if other people want to step up and say, hey, I want to get involved in this, reach out, and we'll see what we can do. So just a heads up so you know what's going on. In other news, the Green Bay Packers did sign a uh, football player. They signed kicker Dominique Ellerby. No, Eberly. He is a uh, kicker. Utah State Aggies, who was a free agent in 2020. So we're bringing in another kicker for competition. As many people have pointed out, the question really is, who is he competing against? Um, There is a very strong belief, and I think it's a fair belief, that um, based on Mason Crosby's age, based on Mason Crosby's um, contract, which again, kickers, even expensive kickers are not expensive, but based on that. Uh, based on the fact that they've seeming, seemingly been trying to push him out for a while. Just nobody's been able to beat him. But then the biggest thing being um, his production last year, which maybe it's not his fault. You know, the operation was obviously terrible. The long snapper is no good. The holder's relatively new. I don't know if any of that was his fault, maybe once or twice. And then you got terrible blocking and everything else. It causes problems. Even if it's just his confidence is down because he doesn't trust the process, that could cause a problem. But we're bringing in a bunch of kickers. They, they I, I, My first thought is, Well, it's really only one of two things. One, they've made up their mind. Mason is gone, and we're just going to wing it and have just a a kickoff between a bunch of new guys. The second thing is that we're doing what we've done 100 times. We're going to bring in a bunch of kickers. We're going to have a competition. Right now, we've got three guys. It may alter by the time we actually get to it, but let's say these are the three guys. There's going to be a competition. One of the two, not named Mason Crosby, is probably going to be cut real quick because they're just not very good. And then there's going to be a guy, whether it be, you know, Molson or whatever, that's going to be doing a really good job, but Mason's going to outkick him and then Mason keeps his job. That's the way that this has been done repeatedly over the years. I'm not saying that's 100% how this is going to go this year, but that's usually what happens. So it's, it's one of those two things. They're either doing this because they've already made up their mind or they're doing this just because this is just what they do, which is, by the way, the exact reason why this signing really doesn't point to Mason being gone because this is the kind of thing that they would do even if Mason was not necessarily gone. For that reason, there's no reason to assume that this tells us that he's gone, because this is a move that they would do either way. Anyways, um, as far as his regular season action, this past year in 2021, um, by the way, he was picked up by the Raiders, but the only time that he actually kicked was for Houston in week 16 against the Chargers. He was five for five on extra points and two of three on his field goals. He made a 20-something yard attempt, and then he hit one of two 50-yard attempts. So obviously something about that intrigued them. Um, you know, again, it was it was kind of spur of the moment, out of nowhere, all of a sudden, week 16, you're our guy. He drilled all five extra points, and then he drilled the the chip shot 20-yarder, and then he had two two attempts at 50 yards, and he hit one of them, which I think 50% at 50 yards when you're coming out completely cold. Um, I mean, if nothing else, you're proving that you have the leg. Looks like that was a 51-yarder that he hit. So it was enough to show that uh, he can do something. Looking at his preseason stats, uh, again, he only kicked in one game. That was uh, 2021 against Seattle. He was two of two of his extra points. He was also two of two of his field goals, but all of them were within the 20-yard range. So um, I guess if nothing else, he's basically 100% within acceptable ranges. All of his extra points, he's, what, seven of seven. All of his field goals under 50 yards, he's hit. Granted, all of his field goals under 50 yards is basically three within you know, 29, 20 to 29 yards. And then he's 50% beyond 50, which is fine. So it's enough to get some intrigue. If you look at him in college, um basically, PFF loved him. I don't know how he compares to, I don't even know how to begin looking at PFF for special teamers, much less anybody else. It's, you know, a lot of guys have really high grades because it's college, but um you still got to like it. 2016, he didn't do much as a kicker. He had a 62 overall grade. Didn't do any extra points, but he ended up kicking four field goals, made three of them. 2017, 83 overall grade. He was 45 of four. This guy's never missed, missed an extra point. He didn't in the regular season. He's 45 of 45 in 2017, 68 of 68 in 2018, and 40 of 40 in 2019. Um, his field goal percentage is 83.1%, and that's after going 75% in his first year. We'll just do it in broad sweeps here. But But his grades went from 62 to 83 to 84 to 90.6, just so we're clear on that. Um, chip shot field goals. Apparently he did one from within 20 yards. That was in 2018. He made that, um, he's 23 of 25 from within the 20 yard range. So he has missed two kicks between 20 and 29 yards. Both of them came in 2018. Um, otherwise he's hundred percent. He's 15 of 17 in the 30 yard range. He was three of four in 2017, four of five in 2018. He was eight of eight in 2019. So to be clear in 2019, five for five, in the 20-yard range, 8 for 8 in the 30-yard range. Then you get to the 40-yard range, 76%. Let's bring up Mason Crosby just for comparison here. Basically, 76.4% is Mason Crosby's in the 40-yard range, so it's almost identical. 762 um, compared to 764 is 88.2% in the 30-yard range. Mason is 878 Um, In the 20-yard range, 92%. Mason is 100%? Wow. He's never missed a kick between 20 and 29 yards. That's kind of crazy. 58 attempts in his career. Never missed one. Mason is 96.1% for, uh, extra points. Dominique has never missed one. And then at the uh, 50 yard range, he's four of seven. He didn't attempt any in 2016. He was one for one in 2017. He was three for five in 2018. He was zero for one in 2019. Um, Mason is at sixty-eight point three percent, so that's higher, but we are dealing with a very small number here. If, if I mean, if Dominique goes out and kicks a fifty-yarder and makes it, he's suddenly five of eight. He immediately jumps up to sixty-two and a half percent. So, um, so he's kind of on par for the most part, not necessarily including fifty-yarders, um, with where Mason Crosby's been at his career. So they're they're good numbers. And again, you can't. Well, that was college. College has really nothing to do with it kicking a 45-yard field goal is kicking a 45-yard field goal. That's the one good thing about evaluating kickers and things because kickers and punters, I mean, there is, you know, if you have a bad snapper or whatever the case, there there, there might be some factors like that. But it's not like any other position where you're, you have to judge it based on everybody else on the field. I mean, kickers are, it's one of the things where the stats are just, they are the most accurate stats you can find in football. They're, they are they're the most self-explanatory stats. You know, when, when a... Running back has a 4.5 yard per carry average. That doesn't really necessarily tell me anything because I don't know how good the blocking was. The play calling, all, all these things play into his ability to get to four and a half yards. Just His ability as a runner is just half of that. And he can go to another team with another scheme and that'll either drop to 3.5 or could go up to 5.1. But when a kicker kicks a 51 yard field goal, it's a 51 yard field goal. It's one of the few things where you could just take everybody off the field and it's the same thing. He's not throwing to another receiver that has to try to catch it. He's going up against, uh, you know, guy has to right, run the right route and catch the ball. And there's also a defender there that's trying to push him around and trying to get, you know, it, there's none of that. There's no other factors. Kicking is kicking is kicking. Again, there's minor things that might impact your ability to to make these things For all I know some of these misses were blocks. You know, that's obviously a factor. There's wind and weather. You know, if you're doing it outside in the cold, like Mason has this whole career, or if you're doing this in a dome which I don't think there's a lot of dome college teams, to be fair, but Utah State is certainly not one of them. In fact, are there any? Apparently there's three. There's Syracuse, Idaho, and Tulane. So um, there's seven in the FCS, North Dakota, North Dakota State, Georgia State, Northern Iowa, Northern Arizona, Idaho State, and North Dakota, well, whatever. Um, so the point is, most of these kickers are out there in the elements. You know, Whether those elements are like Buffalo elements or you know Southern California elements obviously makes a difference, but you still have wind. So, anyways, you know, again, he's going to come in. He's going to compete. We'll see how it goes. Anyways, I think we're going to, again, just completely skip my notes here. Um, I want to, because I've been forgetting again to do this. I want to talk just briefly about the draft. Um, Usually around this time, and it's been really slow rolled. I mean, we we've already had you know the Senior Bowl and all these different things have already come and gone. Usually, there's a bunch of news about meetings with teams. I've gone to all the usual sources that I've seen. I have not seen anything but one about a meeting that the Packers have had. And again, th- these aren't necessarily that important, but they are very interesting. Um, it is also true that a lot of the guys that we draft are guys that we met with. But again, this is information that you can only read backwards. You can't read forwards, right? If, if we meet with 10 guys and draft one, I can't tell you based on the 10 guys that we met that we're going to draft any of these guys. However, once we draft them, you look at it and go, oh, we met with that guy. I remember that. I should have known that. We should have been able to see it. The writing was on the wall. But the um, the one Instance I saw of somebody that um, is known to occasionally have some infra- inside information says the Packers have met with Boston College tight end Trey Berry. So we're going to run with that because again everybody else hasn't really heard anything yet. Trey Berry, six foot six, two hundred and forty-four pounds. So right off the bat, just based on that, I'm looking at a guy that in my mind, first of all, six foot six is fantastic, but at two forty-four, you assume that this guy can probably move a little bit better than most six foot six tight ends. Now, his expected 40 time, and this is all just estimates or whatever, but I do have a site that has an estimated 40 times, is 475, which is, I guess, roughly average, slightly slower than average. 4-7 is an average tight end, but um, again, that, that w- yet to be confirmed. But um, 21 of 33, 362 yards, 17.2 average, and four touchdowns. So he wasn't targeted very often, but his yards per reception were quite high. 17.2 is very high for a tight end. Um as far as his grades he's been very consistent but in a very inconsistent uh manner. So first of all, first of all, he was a transfer. I believe this is from Jacksonville State. It says Jville State that would be my assumption unless there is actually a Jville State. But in 2021 he went to Boston College, but his overall grades at least from the time in which he was actually playing 71, 76, 71. So very consistent. However, if you look at his week to week grades, um vary all over the map. 72, 79, 46, 53, 71, 60, 63, 85, 52, 81. Wildly inconsistent. So high, high, low, low. So the assumption would be that he's, he's got those high highs and can we draft them and develop them into something kind of awesome. Uh, if you look at his alignment in college, he was in the slot 34% of the time. He was out wide 9.3% of the time. He was in line 56.5% of the time. Um, Yards per reception, 6.2. Average depth of target was 12.1 yards, which again is pretty high. Um, he had zero drops, which is obviously very, very big. That's that's huge. He's thrown at 33 times. He didn't drop a single one. Uh, his contested catch rate, not very high numbers, but 66.7% is solid, right? I mean, 50% is a 50-50 ball. So if you're above that, that's... But if you're 6'6", tight end, you're expected to win most of those, I guess. Um, only one missed tackle forced in his career. So the assumption is he's kind of a Mercedes Lewis type. You know, if Mercedes Lewis makes a guy miss, he probably just stiff-armed him into uh, into Hades and then kept moving. But generally speaking, he's not going to like juke anybody out of their shoes. But 140.4 passer rating when targeted is pretty solid. As far as his blocking ability, he has a 53 run blocking grade and a 46 pass blocking grade. So again, he's a receiver and he doesn't seem to be a super fast one at that. Now, again, you, you can scout him and you can look at him and say, these are the areas where you can see where he can improve. Maybe we want to put some more, um, I mean, at 6'6", if he's kind of lanky, you slap some muscle onto that. He goes from six six two forty four to two six six two sixty six, and he's your next Mercedes Lewis. But you're taking a guy that doesn't block very well as it is and saying if we just put muscle on him, he'll block well. That doesn't make sense. You're taking a receiver and trying to... It's basically like trying to change his position into something he's not doing very well. It's like a wide receiver that's a decent wide receiver, and you look at it and go, you know, if, if we packed on like 10 pounds of muscle, he could probably be a running back, even though the few times he's lined up in the backfield, he's done a bad job. But, you know, he, I just I just envisioned him in that role. It doesn't really make a lot of sense. But uh, currently, Trey Berry is trending at about 338th spot on the big board, which is clearly undrafted free agent territory. Now, he has peaked at 161st. That was his highest overall value, which would put him in the fifth round. He also kind of ebbs and flows, uh, and he's been kind of in the 205-ish range, which would put him in the sixth round. So he's potentially a fifth, sixth, I guess technically seventh if he's undrafted territory. But I would say anywhere from the fifth on. And considering the Packers like to take guys earlier than everybody else says they should, he's a potential fourth-round candidate. The Packers will take him in the fourth round. Everybody will say... He should have been an undrafted free agent. That was the worst pick in history. I'll point out, well, technically kind of fifth-ish, sixth-ish round, depending on who you ask, and then everyone will freak out out for me trying to justify the worst pick in NFL history. And all the while, I'm going to die on the inside because part of me knows that I never liked that pick to begin with. He's probably not going to pan out, and I'm going to sit here and die on this hill because I just don't like inaccurate things, all the while knowing I'm defending a lost cause, which is something that I do kind of a lot. Because I just like things to be accurate. I mean, you might be right about him not being a good pick, but at least be accurate about it. And so dying on hills is what I do all the time. Just suicide missions over and over. Anyways, I think I'm going to leave you fine, beautiful people to yourselves. Uh, You know, do what you got to do for the day. Have a good one. I will talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye.